Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Okay, guys, welcome to the Running Light Podcast. My name is Bo. I'm Peter. And we're here with Running Light Ministries. It's been a while since we've been on um, live. It's been a few weeks for sure. And uh, we've uh, been busy trying to stay healthy and fight the allergies. So we have a lot of wet ones in the house today, and we're wiping everything down. I'm going to wipe off Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wipe him down. Get us all clean. <laughs> That's right. And um, we've been having a good time doing some teaching with Pastor Scott over on Wednesdays, which has been cool. And Peter uh, has been on A Reason for Hope as well on Mondays, doing an apologetic uh, um, style uh, kind of, uh, what is it, radio podcast um, with uh, Sean Richards, and that's been cool. And you've also, tell us a little bit about your little project with your um, recordings. Oh, yeah. So um, about a year ago or something like that, I started writing a book on PTSD and trauma, how it impacts all of us. And uh, I finished writing it at the end of last year, and now I'm going through the editing and publishing process, which is probably going to take another year and a half. Uh, so basically how the book went is I started to ask the question of how my deployment impacted me, how the trauma of what I went through impacted me, how it impacted my friends and why some of us recovered differently than others. So I recovered pretty quickly. Others of my friends didn't recover at all. Some of them recovered, but it took more, uh, took a lot longer of time and things like that. So I started to try to look into that. And what I found through doing a lot of research and specifically through the research of a guy named Sebastian Younger is that predominantly, and they've done tests like this all over the world, predominantly the major factor in how trauma impacts you is not actually the severity of your trauma, but it's actually the type of support that you have, or more specifically, the type of community that you have. Uh, people with no community whatsoever, usually trauma impacts them much worse and it develops in them and it ends up never, they end up never recovering. And they've done studies throughout the world as well as on rodents. Like they did this one study where they actually traumatized rodents, uh, which is kind of mean, but, you know, they would like electrocute them and stuff like that. And then they would try to see how long it took for them to recover from that trauma. The rodents that were isolated usually never recovered, or if they did recover, it took them very long amounts of times. But if they traumatized them together in a group, or they traumatized one and then put them in a group, those rats actually recovered much more quickly. But this is something that we as Christians shouldn't be surprised about, because that's exactly what the Bible discusses for us. Uh, one passage would be 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, where the Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort and Father of all mercies, who comforts us in our tribulations and trials, that we might comfort others in their trials with the same comfort that was given to us. So in Paul's mind, the amount of comfort that you receive during trials and traumas comes from primarily community. Uh, he believed that it was through relating to God in your issues as well as relating to your fellow Christians that was going to be the main catalyst that was going to enable you to both be comforted in your trauma but also to recover from it. Uh, he repeats this in Colossians 1 where he talks about filling up in his flesh that which is lacking in the cross of Christ, meaning that he believed that as he suffered more imminently in God, he gained more and more capacity 
for comfort and empathy towards his fellow man. Uh, in Philippians 3, verse 10, Paul speaks of a fellowship of suffering that he engaged with, with God, during intense amounts of trauma within his life. And in 2 Corinthians 1, later on, he talks about how he went through intense amounts of trauma in Asia to the point of being suicidal, and he ended up recovering because he found strength and comfort in God. Uh, and I could go on and on, but essentially what we see biblically is that God calls us to find our healing and find our comfort within a community. Now, the reason why that's so essential to understand is because our society does the opposite. When people are traumatized, they don't go into community, they go out of community. Uh, they tend to see themselves as being alienated and different. They tend to see themselves as being damaged and therefore lesser, inferior, and even victims. Therefore, it's harder for them to relate to people who have not been traumatized in similar ways. And this is what happened to me and my friends. Since we went to Afghanistan, since we went to war and we were traumatized, people kind of didn't know how to treat us. They didn't know what to say. And so therefore, it made them act a little bit awkward towards us. And it kind of solidified and deepened this wound that we all felt that it was just like, man, we, we don't really relate to these people anymore. Now, Sebastian Younger contrasts that with certain more tribal countries. Uh, and one of the main ones that he talks about is actually Israel. Israel, even though they see far more combat than we do, they have less than 1% of PTSD in their armed forces. Now, that's pretty amazing when you consider the fact that there's over 20% in our armed forces that get PTSD. So, once again, he's showing that it's not the trauma that you're going through that's, that's actually impacting these people so negatively. It's the type of resources and community that they have. Or to put it another way, it's their culture. So, um, writing this book and, and calling it Fellowship of Suffering... It also has impacted me in how I understand the ministry that me and Bo do, where one of the things that we always tell people is that we're encouraging them to confess and to find accountability for their struggles. Why? Because it's the same principle. God intends for our healing, even from sin, to be a communal thing, not an isolated individual thing. Uh, that's why in James 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. Right. So healing even from sin and struggles is supposed to be a communal thing. It's supposed to be something that happens in a community, not something that ha happens isolated and uh, at, at your own expense. So all these things should show us that God intends for community to exist within his church and in his body. And we should always be striving to grow it. So that has inspired me not only to write the book, but also to start a YouTube channel called Life Together where I'm going to be talking about the book as well as running light things and everything dealing with this idea of how to build greater community and authenticity within the body of Christ, that we might have greater resources for healing and for godliness. So. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good stuff. Um, you know, getting together and everybody's home, everybody's trying to stay somewhat uh, apart from each other. That's why me and Peter have a, an invisible barrier <laughs> right now. You guys can't see it, but sneeze guard. I can't so even yeah. touch him yeah. if I wanted to, man. It's like <laughs> this barrier no, is up. But, um, uh, um, but everybody's home. So either they're going to work on their sex life they're going to work on, you know, uh, I'm talking about, uh, of course, we're running light ministries. We talk about this topic in the Bible. So hopefully that doesn't throw anybody off out there. And they're like, what? You know, these people are talking about sex. Um, but uh, either they're going to work on their intimate life together and or they're not. And um, so uh, but it kind of forces people's right it, their hands right now to do it. And what you're talking about, it's 
you know, getting with community and, 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 you know, and that's tough when you're in a place where we're at right now, where you can't really just go out to your church or go out to your groups or do different things. You're using things like go to meetings or like Zoom or like Google Hangouts or these different platforms to be able to connect. And, uh, and, and it's easy for people just to kind of isolate. And this is what we do as human beings, too. We're really good at isolating. I love my quiet time. I love my isolated time. And it's easy for me to get into a lustful pattern that way. Um, I don't know if you find that self, you, you that way too, but it's easy for my brain to just kind of start going a little bit in directions. And, and it's, I know it's not just me, it's everybody out there, every human being uh, tends to go in a direction um, and we definitely can go into a skewed direction really easy. Um, um, you know, community, you know, getting with community is very tough. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we tend to think that, oh, these people had it all together within community, that that all the leadership and all the real holy people had it really together when they were together in community. And and that that is. In my understanding of the Bible, that's a farce, right? Um you know, like you'll read a passage, for instance, like you can read a passage that we'll go through tomorrow in Second Timothy chapter one, verse one, that where Paul says, hey, I really, um, you know, thank God um, whom I serve um, with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. And some people might read that and they might think like, oh, man, you know, like the everybody was so pure back then and, and pure conscience. That means like no sin. And that's just not the case. Right. That's not what Paul's obviously referring to, unless he does not know the Old Testament like at all. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And it's it's interesting. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. And one of the loves that he talks about is friendship love or communal love. Right. And yeah. one of the things he said is he says uh, friendship love or community is the great amplifier. <laughs> he says it amplifies everything. He yeah. says it takes good things and makes them great but it takes bad things and makes it worse. Right. So if you're in a community of people that are striving towards godliness, that'll encourage you to be more godly. But if you're in a community of like really lustful, vindictive people, it'll make you more lustful and more vindictive. And that's actually also what you see in the Bible. So you see it kind of go both ways, where sometimes you see like a David and Jonathan, where you got this amazing relationship between these two guys and they're encouraging each other to grow closer to God and they're encouraging each other in their lives and their families. But then you also see relationships that don't go that way. You, you see like, for instance, in Judges, uh, where I think that it was Gideon's son, I can't remember his name, but Gideon's son ends up surrounding himself in the author. I like how the author puts it. He says, he surrounded himself with worthless men yeah. <laughs> and these guys actually made him way worse. And uh, also Solomon's son did the same thing. He surrounded himself with worthless men that encouraged him to uh, basically afflict the people and it caused a civil war. So you see that good things become great, but bad things become worse. <laughs> yeah. And for so, you know, we can have misunderstandings, first of all, you know, biblically uh, that, you know, we just mentioned. Uh, but then a lot of people, again, just find themselves home alone and they they, you know, they need to work on things. You know, maybe now husbands and wives are having to deal with things that they've never dealt with in a long period of time. Right. And all of a sudden they're there, you know, they're they're right there. So that might be something that's impacting people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could see that, you know, if you're kind of just 
going off to work and she's going off to work and you're doing your own things, then it's easy to kind of ignore maybe pressing issues in the marriage, you know, things that are maybe irritating both of you. You can kind of put it on the back burner and say, we'll get to it later. Now you kind of don't have that option. <laughs> you have to, you're in close quarters with one another yeah. and it's bringing stuff out, you know, so. Yeah. 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 And hopefully there's opportunities to talk about it. Other times there's just people that, um, again, they're, you know, maybe they're more tempted to view porn right now or, you know, to kind of pass the time away. Mm. And, um, you know, so staying busy is probably important. Yeah. You know, um, so what are you doing at the house to kind of stay semi-busy? So I have been blessed <laughs> with the fact that my wife is eight months pregnant. So my life is constant, <laughs> constantly going. If I'm not doing stuff for the office, which has become my greatest nightmare, which is that I have to do things online, which <laughs> you guys know anything about me. I hate, <laughs> I hate technology. I hate all this stuff, but it's forcing me to have to deal with it, which has led to a lot of frustration, but I'm, I'm having to learn and, and get better. But with, uh, with my wife, I mean, we're having to prepare for this baby. So if, when I'm not doing stuff online, I'm doing home renovations or we're going out to the store, we're getting stuff for the baby. We're, you know, talking, we're discussing stuff. Uh, th that's kind of how I'm staying busy right now. But um, as Bo said, I, I think that for me, um, when it comes to isolation and when it comes to boredom, it's something that I'm very sensitive to uh, because as a teenager, I was very isolated. I almost never hung out with people. And I would also uh, spend a lot of time just like playing video games and stuff like that. And I realized that all of my issues became much, much worse. So those of you guys who know stuff about me know that I struggle with depression and the depression I realized amplifies itself multiple times over when I'm isolated for long periods of time, meaning when I'm just by myself. Because if you think about it, what depression really does is it's a supreme negative focus on self. Um, it's just like thinking down on yourself, thinking about how worthless you are, you know, just getting stuck in your head. So for someone like me, being alone and isolated as well as being bored are kind of recipes for self-destruction, right? It will inflame my boredom, it will inflame my depression, and it will inflame my lust. So I have to be very careful about how I'm spending my time. Yeah, I know. I find myself, too, in that kind of same way where, um, you know, it's funny, like, you know, you know, pornography, it, it's, I know I hate this kind of idea, but it, it's, it's, I think it's super true in a way. And that is the idea of, you know, entertainment. Yeah. You know, you always hear of like, well, you know, well, porn's not entertainment. You know, you you always kind of hear that, but in a way it kind of yeah, is, is yeah. you know. And and what I mean by that is is sometimes it, it you know there's things that are there that are there just to kind of lamp out on. Yeah. You know, where you 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 just kind of you have a release. Now, some people realize that you know they they use other substances or other things and um and we all realize that idolatry is all um in these things right and uh, they might have a mask on the front of it so you can't quite see what the idol is but if you just move the mask a little bit you can look at it and go oh i see what it is right you know and um uh, but i i find that you know there can be those times where you just want to kind of check out there's a lot of stress with the virus talk there's a lot of anxiety you know, what happens when we get anxious? We, a lot of times we go to things 
that will get our minds off of it. Um, and instead of maybe enjoying our spouse or things of that nature, we can just want to lamp out and do our thing um, on our own. Now, I wish it was, and, and, and just hear me on this, um, when we always we always use this term too, we always say, I wish it was just porn. Right. And, 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 and what we mean by that, when me and Peter say that, we're not we're not undervaluing the the issue of pornography. Uh, we're we're not. Um, we're we're just saying that there are other ways now through technology that it seems to create even more of a issue. Right. You know, because before we got online, you were saying that things like Tumblr and those kind of things are going up. Right. Tumblr, Grinder, all these other dating sites, and some of them are just hookup sites. Basically, <laughs> that's what I understand about Grinder. That is basically just well, the name site. alone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little raw. Yeah, should be a clue <laughs> to mm -hmm. what what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who's raised in my era, anyway, that definitely that definitely has a little bit of a connotation to it. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but so people are home and they're going, you know what, let me try to meet up with people and, and develop their social media skills through dating sites, yeah. you know. So um, I, in, I don't know if they're literally hooking up more because of the isolation or how that's, how that's playing a part. But, you know, certainly so there's these avenues where people are definitely engaging in. Um, I think of maybe the husband or the 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 wife who's on their phone a lot and um, who's maybe messaging people, right? you know, and because of maybe some boredom, they're entering into conversations that really could hurt the marriage. Um, you know, things that th they just shouldn't be saying or shouldn't be talking about um, with another, you know, they're going in those, those ways. Mm. And, um, and... And, and certainly that is something, you know, how how can you prevent that from happening? Um, you know, because isolation reveals a lot of times our heart, the main issues. Mm. You know, sometimes when we isolate, like things become really evident, you know, of what's wrong. Yeah. You know, we're sometimes in a group, you know, the, the greatest healing comes in the group for sure. Totally relate to what you were saying earlier. But in the group, you can definitely hide within the group. Mm. But when you're isolated, you know, it really can reveal some character flaws for sure. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's the anxiety or the depression that increases or the lust increases or, or, or things of that nature when we're alone. And um, and so I'm sure a lot of people are trying to work through that. Yeah. I was, uh, when you were talking, I was thinking about the... Eagles song, Hotel California. Yeah. Some drink to remember, some drink to forget. Yeah. You know, where it seems like when your life is going well, like when things are going really well for you, the things that Bo's talking about, this idea of like lamping out of just like, you know, whether it's drinking or whether it's, uh, you know, having sex or whether it's, you know, whatever. Uh, these things tend to be like icing on the cake, you know, where you're not doing these things because you want to forget your life you're doing these things to amplify your life. You're like, man, this is making it better. The issue is is uh, like that line, some drink to remember, meaning that they're doing this to make things better. They want to remember what's going on in their life. They want to enjoy the present. 
But when things are going bad for you, you're drinking to forget, meaning you're doing these things because you don't want to think about your life. You don't want to think about what's going over uh, on in your life. And what you usually see is that when society is in really negative turmoil, like, for instance, when you think about the Vietnam War, you know, how did American society respond to the Vietnam War? Was it like everyone was being super pure and everyone was like staying away from drugs and alcohol. A lot of babies right, being made. Right? <laughs> like, because what's going on, people are wanting to forget. They're not wanting to think about what's going on in the world because it's negative. Then you fo fast forward a couple of years. How about the Cold War? You know, you grew up during the Cold War, you know, where people, again, were they far more, you know, conservative and uh, structured and, and self-controlled? <laughs> was it was it the opposite, you know? And it's the reason why people get like that is because, like I said, they're, they're doing these things out of moderation because they're doing them to not think about what's going on, these negative things going on in the world. So, again, like with what Bo's saying, when something like the coronavirus happens, we can anticipate uh, a desire to kind of want to lamp out, to just want to be somewhere else. And things like pornography and drugs, they give us that ability. They give us the ability to kind of just be somewhere else. Was that your water bottle? Yeah, I dropped my I'm like, okay, bottle. man. So it's like, bing. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're totally right on, on, on those things. Um, you know, the first thing that I would recommend is that, you know, you talk, you and your spouse need to be talking during this time. And that's probably the first step that needs to happen. And, and, and it shouldn't be, you know, running light has been kicking this drum over and over for years and years and years. Um, but it shouldn't be rocket science that anybody would struggle with voyeurism to me. It just would not be. We are voyeurs, man. When an animal has sex with another animal, we kind of go, whoa, when we're at the zoo. And we see animals like, you know, you know, we kind of look at that and we go, whoa, Johnny, don't look at that. Or, you know, we might say goofy things like that. But in a sense, we're all kind of like, wow, look at what's the, you know, they're reproducing. That's so cool. You know? Yeah. And it's weird how we tend to be enamored by reproduction when, when it comes to animals. But when human beings are doing it, we tend to go, that's gross. You know, it's just weird how we have this weird kind of vibe on it well, i like what you just said that we are by nature voyeurs yeah it's like if you don't believe that apparently you haven't been watching a lot of tv <laughs> lately but you could watch tv about anything you know you could watch tv about hoarders you could watch tv about people working in a kitchen you we, could watch we TV. eat food well i mean yeah. we watch people make cupcakes Cook, yeah. <laughs> yeah watch people make cupcakes and compete about it. it's like we're enamored by watching things happen you know and yeah. living vicariously through these other people yeah, we, we do it in all facets of life yeah and even if we didn't have tv we're still voyeurs at heart we we have eyes we see things and you know jesus says the eyes is the lamp of the body mm -hmm. you know and um you know if the if the inner part is dark then how great is that darkness you mm -hmm. know meaning what's coming in is dark then how great is that darkness going right. to be you know it's going to be dark and um you know, so we are voyeurs at heart. So, it's, you know, getting with a spouse and saying, hey, you know, just during the break, you know, I really don't want to fall into some bad patterns or I, I want to just be open with you about, you know, things or, um, you know, I, I hope that you guys can be able to sit down and talk about that and, you know, and just say, yeah, you know, that makes sense. You know, when we get nervous as human beings, just look at a kid. When a kid gets nervous, what does a kid do? They touch themselves. 
um, that is the normal reaction for human beings. You know, if a human gets nervous, what they do is they pick. You'll see a human will scratch their beard. You know, a guy will start scratching his beard, do this kind of thing. You know, or he'll, you know, he'll start, you'll see him like go like this. Or they might do a little bit of some, some, <laughs> some of the leg some thing, fidgeting, the, yeah. the little <laughs> fidgeting, you know, bouncing, you know, sometimes you'll hang out with someone and they're bouncing their leg all the time. And you're like, whoa, you know, and it's, and it's like, it's, it's like a little reaction that we have, you know, it's something that's going on in our body, you know, and, you know, we're not just totally, you know, like at this total tranquil moment, there's some kind of tension in us. And the way we kind of move through it is just through some of these little rep repetition kind of things. And little kids, all of a sudden, they'll start going right to their phallics. Their little girls will go to their their parts, too, and, and you know, that kind of thing. So it's it shouldn't, and the reason why I say that is because it should be really common, really normal for us as human beings to just go, hey, you know, when we get anxious about something, and when something's happening in our world that we, we are is out of our control, and so much of what goes on <laughs> economically is so out of our control mm. that, um, you know, it's easy for us to fall into these different patterns. Um, and so being able, to me, the first step is just being able to get with your wife and just say something yeah. or, or get with your husband and say something. Yeah, no, I'd agree, you know, to just uh, to have these kind of conversations of how, <laughs> Like, have you ever sat down with your spouse and just being like, "These, this is how this kind of thing impacts me. This is how stress impacts me. This is how loneliness impacts me. This, these are things that you can help me with. You know, these are things because, like, maybe I'm not able to go out as often. Maybe I'm not able to get community with uh, the body of Christ or with my coworkers as often as I want to. But I'm with you, you know, and maybe we can hang out more and maybe I can be able to talk to you more so you can actually use this time to deepen your relationship, to deepen your dialogue, the kind of conversations that you have with one another about everything, including and especially the sexual issue and your struggle against sin. Yeah. And so talking is a good thing. You know, you got to bring up the combo and let people know. The other thing you can be doing, too, is try something new, mm. you know, try something new in life. Do something challenging. Um, I know what I'm starting to kind of work on. And what it's doing is it's getting my mind on different things. You know, pornography uh, a lot is uh, uh, in and in, in porn culture a lot of times is in my world because I, um, I've made it a part of my world in the sense of running light and then um, doing the teaching that I do um, at the college too. It, it's usually on my mind somewhat. And so, but it's nice to do something new where you're just not really thinking about it much, you know? And, and that's nice. Like for instance, um, for me, I don't know how to work on cars really at all. And I like, I would like to, you know? So it's like, I watch these YouTube clips and, and, and I'm like, wow, that is amazing. And, and, and I just find it super fascinating that people can take apart things in a car and put it back together and it runs. Yeah. And so I'm working on a older car that's at my house right now. And uh, I took off the uh, shifter from the floorboard and I'm getting new bushes to put in there. So it, it, it when you shift the gear, it actually is really tight and firm. Right now the bushings are all gone in, inside. So I'm actually, I've ripped this thing apart. Yeah. 
and but it's great it gets my mind on something totally different yeah and which is really cool <laughs> and i kind of like that you know um because even when you read the bible you know for me the bible is a very intimate book and and the bible has a lot of intimate things in it like the other day i picked up my bible and i flipped it open and it was ezekiel 23 you know and i read I read through ezekiel 23 again and i'm just like wow that is just such an intense passage you know so even even some like someone might say well hey just read the bible and you know your mind's going to be clear as ever <laughs> but uh no that's not <laughs> how it works you know because you can read the bible and you're reading about people who struggle with sex all the time in it and so um you know, sometimes a mindset of just like working on new things, working on my guitar playing helps me out. I'm taking a college course in advanced accounting. That's super stretching me. Oh, man, that's super stretching me. So um, really having to learn and focus. And so that those are all helping me, you know, through some of it. So yeah. getting involved with other things is a good thing that people can do. Yeah, I you agree. Know, you know. You know, and, and it's, it's tough, you know, cause you know, I see it mainly with my wife cause like with my job, I'm able to get out, I'm able to, um, interact with people pretty regularly, uh, whether it's, you know, through Skype or face to face or however I'm doing it. Um, and obviously I'm taking precautions, but I'm still meeting with people all the time with her. She's kind of stuck at the house, you know, cause she's pregnant and, uh, pregnant women are said to be on like some of the more dangerous uh, spectrum of people when it comes to COVID-19. So I, I've seen it even with her, you know, the, the online communication is, you know, and I've said this before, it's a great supplement. Online communication can be very helpful. And I think that it is helping us a lot as a society right now, but it is not a replacement for having relationships with other people. And as you're seeing isolation and loneliness increase in people, I guarantee you're going to see depression. I was just looking up on Sunday that suicide rates are going up during the coronavirus and depression rates are going up and people are going to counsel like counselors are in higher demand now than ever <laughs> because people just want someone to talk to like no joke they're just so bored yeah. they just want someone to talk to so you see loneliness depression anxiety all these things are going up suicides going up so be sure that you're also thinking about like how am I interacting with people because you're going to have to be more creative. Yeah, it's easier you? when you could just go to work and be like, oh, I'm going to be around people. But now you're probably either working from home or you're not working at all. And this and this leads me to another thing is, is you know, you got neighbors. Mm. You know, get to know your neighbors during the time. Yeah. You know, you, you, you don't really have to go over their house, but sometimes they might like you pop, they pop outside, say hi, get to know them. What's your name? Are you doing okay? You know, you need anything. You know, but sometimes it's just extending yourself a little bit, getting getting out of you that might be the difference between a life and death situation where you're not just wrapped up in yourself. Because, you know, you think about it. I think about that, that person who's just home and they're just constantly struggling with something that they morally think is wrong, mm -hmm. right? So morally, they, they think uh, pornography is wrong, so they don't want to go to porn. But they fight it, they fight it, they fight it. it. Even though they might not do it, they feel horrible for even wanting to do it, mm -hmm. you know? But it's not just pornography, it's other things too, but we're using that in our example here. You know, so they feel horrible constantly. You know, God's not for me. God's, you know, uh, you know, this is, you know, and they're playing, that, 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 that tape is just playing in their mind over and over and over. Yeah. 
that um, the struggle itself is a bad thing. And so that's what I mean. It's a difference between life and death sometimes to be able to just get out and and see someone and maybe just get that joy of being able to help someone maybe a little bit. Um, you know, for me, it's like, you know, trying to help the older community in my neighborhood is always a little bit on my mind and on my heart. So, um, you know, that makes me go, man, that it gives me a purpose, you know, and kind of and people without purpose. Man, human beings are crazy, but without any kind of like sense of purpose and direction mm. in positive ways, um, you know, we feel helplessly in a labyrinth. Yeah. That we cannot get out. Yeah. And no matter any direction we go and, and we take that turn in, it, we just can't seem to get out of the labyrinth. Yeah. It's super scary. It's actually on Sunday. I was reading this quote from Albert Camus' book, The Plague. Hey, that's cool. I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, you're reading it right now? Yeah, I it's am. It's an apt I'm time to read it. <laughs> I'm in The Plague right now by <laughs> Albert Camus because it has some good philosophical <laughs> stuff in there. Yeah, it has some good wisdom, especially given the current climate. Yeah. But it's a, it's like a fictional story uh, of like this town that gets isolated because of a plague. And uh, he's got this great quote that I read on Sunday. I was like, man, that's so cool. He said, it seems like the inhabitants are living out a sentence for a crime that they didn't commit as they're stowing away. Like he talks about them like just rotting away in their isolation for a time that has never been determined. So <laughs> he talks yeah. about how, it, how it's just kind of like slowly eroding their will because Bo's right, you know, purpose and drive, it's what moves us. It's what guides us to have no purpose is one of the worst things that you can do to somebody. Um, you know, and Pastor Scott likes to use this as an example because it, it is such a vivid one. Uh, in the war, in World War II, apparently, in one of the concentration camps, as the war was reaching its end, the Nazi officers didn't really know what to do with the prisoners. And so they had them do mindless work. They were like, hey, let's have them move rubble. You know, so they had them move rubble like 100 feet away. And then they're like, the next day they woke them up, they're like, hey, move the rubble back. And they just kept doing this every day. And eventually the prisoners started throwing themselves on Constantina wire and ripping their stomachs open and committing suicide. And uh, one of the officers remarked, he says, man, if we keep this up, we could shut down the gas chambers. And what they found out is it's not that the difficulty of their work had increased. It was the meaning or the purpose of their work had decreased. So as a lot of people are kind of, in their homes you know they don't have jobs they don't have work just that feeling of purposelessness that yeah. feeling of meaninglessness can rot away yeah. a lot of your vitality there's a cool twilight zone of the same um uh frame where a guy dies and he gets everything he's ever wanted it's great he loves he, he's shooting pool got all the women the dames <laughs> that he wants loves that love that term dames, dames yeah. <laughs> like what does that mean but uh it, that's what he has <laughs> and and even when you indulge in everything you you've ever wanted you really there's no purpose he wants to go out and experience uh crime he wa he wants to be able to do things that he can't do anymore in the afterlife because even though there's a risk of dying, it, it, there's a purpose, there's a meaning. Mm. You know, if life doesn't matter, you know, um, then death doesn't matter either. And, you know, you know, so 
you know, you could see that kind of playing in this person's mind. And so a lot of us, when we're sitting at home doing nothing, that purposelessness sense can be maybe the worst thing ever, right? Yeah. For us, you know, so um, trying to make connections with people. And it's not just making connections with people, but making connections with the right kind of people, too. Yeah. Right. Like you were talking about, it's it's sometimes who the kind of people that you're hanging out with. Um, you know, if you're talking to people who also deal with a certain issue in that you deal with in life, that might be you might be able to find some cool dialogue. Yeah. Um, you know, and you might be able to go, man, that's cool. Um, we we have on our um, website uh, at betterpleasure.org or runninglight.org. Sorry, it's betterpleasure.net runninglight.org but we have the purity study that setting captives free has that puts up a ministry called setting captives free and it's free and you can just go online and and do that and there's also other ministries that have little communities that you can be a part of if you want to be a part of a community setting captives free still has mentors where you can talk to people and things of that nature and and you could always message me and Bo. Yeah, uh, anytime. You can yeah. do it on Facebook. You can do it just through Bo at runninglight.org uh, or Peter at runninglight.org. Um, and we would love to be able to, you know, help and talk and those kind of things. But that's that's probably one of the more important things during this time, right? Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, um, for sure. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see the stats when it's all said and done as far as, you know, is porn sus- subscriptions going to go up? Now, I'll say this, that when I wrote the book back in 2007, Porn and a Pastor, which I haven't got my second book published yet, and who knows, maybe this year will be the year, I don't know. But um, it's already written. I just got to do what you're doing, edit it, and kind of comb through it a it's little a more. It's a tedious process. Yeah, <laughs> but um, the... The stimulus package that Bush gave, um, not Daddy Bush, but but the junior s- Junior Bush, um, during the economic issues of that time, I remember that was statistically shown to increase porn subscriptions. <laughs> so when people got their stimulus package. You know, they went, man, let's let's order this. Let's get on there. Let's do the subscription, you know, that kind of thing. And and so with this, we're going to be getting packages. I think some kind of stimulus package we're getting too with this this uh, care act and things that's coming out now. Um, And it'll be important for us not to use that money unwisely. Right. Yeah. And so there will be practical things you guys can do about that, too. If you sense that, hey, you're going to maybe get that subscription maybe it's good to just tell someone hey dude you know when i get this thing you know hold me accountable for it or put it away or you know you know you know something you know um, have your wife take it or have your husband take it or whatever's needed yeah definitely stay on guard it's a big yeah big thing we're trying to say in this yeah totally be on guard you know another thing is you know work out you know, get outside, work out, do some things. Uh, these are all things that practically could be done, I think, to help out people. Um, but it's, but you know, when you get up at two in the morning, it's there. You know, those temptations are there and they're real. And uh, and at that moment, it might be really difficult, you know, to get online. Yeah. And to make connections, because the same 
thing you use to study the Bible or make connections, your web is also the thing that can be a downfall too. Right. You know, so we have to be gracious during this time. We have to realize that everybody's working on their stress. So there has to be some compassion, you know, through through this time. We have to realize that, um, you know, especially if kids, you know, if your kid's struggling with pornography, don't, you know, right now it's such a hard, stressful time for young people, you know, where their worlds are a little different and they might realize for the first time, like, wow, this is, this world's a trip, you know, and it might be stressful on them. You know, you don't have to come at them so hard. Um, and instead, love them through it. Talk to them through it. Be concerned. But talk to them as a loving parent. Yeah. And don't be surprised. You know, like I said, the statistics do show that sexting is going up. So don't be surprised if you, as a parent, now that you're home in close quarters with your kid, if you f don't find something on their social media or something on their phone that's going to shock you, right? And uh, do your best, right? Do your best to, even if it does shock you emotionally, to not uh, project that onto your kid. But like Bo said, to be able to talk to them in a calm manner and to be able to just walk them through it, you know, like what, what they're going through. But understand that it's like if your kid is doing something like that, they're not weird, you know. They're not like some abnormal deviant out there. They are actually doing what majority of kids do. Yeah, totally. So we're going to let you guys go, and we'll talk to you guys later. But thanks for uh, just being with us on this time with Running Light. So we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.